0: or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Welcome
1: back to Writer Than You on this Monday morning, coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need cash out of your home and a simple way to get it, Rocket Chem. It is Andrew bogish in for Bill Ryder on this Monday morning. Live as always on CBS Sports Radio, the free Odyssey app, Sirius XM, channel 158. We're on Twitter at Andrew Bogish at d CBS. Jump aboard for later in this second and final hour today. Right now, though, as promised on the guest line, Mike Florio, one of the best in the business from Pro Football Talk, joins us here this morning. Mike, it's Andrew Bogish, As always, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Glad to be with you, Andrew. How are you today? Mike, I'm doing really well. I'll probably be the 1,000th person to ask you this, but when do you think we will get an appeal ruling on Deshaun Watson?
2: My guess would be this week, and that guess is informed by the fact that Judge Robinson had the written materials from the parties for 20 days before she issued her decision that came out last Monday, and there was no requirement by way of timeline, timetable, or any type of suggestion as to how fast she should move. At this level, the requirement is that the appeal be expedited. And Peter Harvey, who will handle the appeal, the designee of the commissioner, has all the materials. He's had them since Friday. And I suspect that it'll be far less than 20 days. I think it'll be this week. And it could really come at any time. The one Wrinkle I'll throw in is this. I don't see any requirement in the personal conduct policy or the collective bargaining agreement that there be a hearing on appeal. There's obviously no new evidence. It would just be for the two sides to argue verbally directly to Peter Harvey. I think there's a chance the NFL Players Association asked for some sort of an ability to make a verbal presentation. I don't know that there was some talk they were going to do that. So that could slow things down if they have to schedule a hearing and then the decision will come at some point after that.
1: Mike, do you think that Roger Goodell in NFL headquarters knows quote unquote, the way Peter Harvey is going to rule whenever he does?
2: Yes. I think Peter Harvey is going to do exactly what the commissioner wants him to do. And I said the other day, that's kind of cynical, but it's not even cynical. It's obvious. Peter Harvey isn't employed by the league, but he has an affiliation with the league and he markets that affiliation near the top of his online biography for the page that they use for his law firm practice. And it's no different than what doctors do. You get a deal with the local team, you provide health services to the local team, and people in the community think, well, the local NFL team is using these doctors. They must know what they're doing. And I think the same thing applies with lawyers. Whether you're Judge Sue Robinson, who's gotten plenty of free advertising in recent weeks, for her involvement with the NFL and the NFL Players Association as the disciplinary officer, or Peter Harvey, who who markets the fact that he works closely with the NFL. He helped develop the current version of the personal conduct policy. I made the point over the weekend at PFT. This is kind of like having, as the judge in a case involving the interpretation of a federal law, one of the senators who sponsored that bill, before it became a law. So we're getting from one of the guys who created this thing the interpretation of what kind of punishment is appropriate. And I think it's going to be exactly the punishment that Roger Goodell slash the NFL wants. And that's what makes me think there's a good chance it's going to be a year because we know the NFL has been asking for a full year at every step of this process.
1: So just so I understand this, and I'm like, this might be a dumb question. If it is, I apologize, but it is the NFL allowed to say to Peter Harvey, we're picking you, go give him a year? Or are they supposed to pretend that he's impartial and he might come up with something
2: that they don't like? They'll pretend that he's impartial and that he might come up with something that the league doesn't like. And I'll give you an example. Ten years ago, under a lot of pressure from the court system and the media, Roger Goodell handed off his exclusive ability to determine the bounty gate suspensions for the Saints players to his predecessor, Paul Tagliabue. And that blew up in Goodell's face because Taglioglu said, hey, this isn't the way you go about changing a culture in the NFL. You don't find one team and, and suspend half a dozen players or however many there were. You tell everybody it all changes from this point forward. And Goodell didn't like that. He didn't like that one bit. By designating Peter Harvey, that's as close to Goodell designating himself as he could get, short of designating jeff pasch the league's general counsel or somebody who's actually on the payroll this is as close as it gets and there's a subtle way that they'll make it known the league says that peter harvey for example wasn't involved in any of the internal discussions regarding deshaun watson before it came to this look i just choose not to believe that Hmm. i suspect that they've gotten input of everybody whose fingerprints have been on this personal conduct policy why wouldn't you talk to peter harvey why wouldn't he chime in And at this point, why wouldn't his decision be a reflection of the institutional position that Deshaun Watson committed sexual assault and should be suspended for a full year?
1: So let's assume he says sometime this week Deshaun Watson suspended one season. What does the union do in response to that?
2: Well, the union has already leaked to multiple members of the media that the league will or the union will pursue litigation in federal court. I think that that is a very... Deep uphill climb. I think it's tougher than it used to be. Think of it this way Judges don't like to get involved when private parties have come up with their own mechanisms for resolving disputes. And after Ezekiel Elliott, after Tom Brady, after all the fights that happened in the past decade, the League and the Union come together and they make changes to the personal conduct policy. They put an independent party in the middle to determine the facts that become binding on the appeal and also then to make the preliminary decision as to what the suspension or other punishment will be based on those facts. But the two sides agreed that the commissioner or his designee will have final and binding and exclusive ability to determine the appeal once we accept that the facts are final and binding. The league and the union agreed to that, and you've got a revised process. It's in the aftermath of all these fights. It's going to be harder, I think for the union to convince a court to get involved. And the NFL, and I don't want to get too technical here, but there could be a race to the courthouse because where you file this case could be a major impact on whether or not you have any chance of success. Well, the NFL is holding the starter's pistol in the race to the courthouse. It knows when the decision is coming. It sends someone down to the federal courthouse in Manhattan and has that person ready to file what's called a declaratory judgment action so the NFL gets a ruling that it was a proper exercise of its power. That is a very favorable form for the NFL based on the Brady and Elliott cases. It's just going to be very hard for the Union to win. And one point that is important to remember here, because I've seen a lot of people asking this question. I've seen some people in the media giving what I think is an incorrect answer. If there is any luck in court, and if there is what's called a preliminary injunction that delays this suspension from happening until the litigation ends, it's not a week one issue. It's a week seven issue. The first six weeks are gone. They're done. The NFLPA didn't appeal that six-game suspension. The NFL is only appealing that it be extended. The NFL is not challenging the six-game suspension. So there are people who think, well, there's a way maybe he plays week one. I'd be... Beyond stunned if there's any way these dominoes fall and he plays the first six weeks of the season because the union didn't appeal that finding from last week.
1: Mike, any sense that these two sides have talked settlement since the appeal was filed? Or is the NFL having all the power now just saying, you know, we're going to sit and wait and see what Peter Harvey says?
2: I got the impression that that ship has sailed. There was talk of maybe the NFL having a willingness to do 12 games. And 12 just kind of feels right now whether it would be settlement or whether it would be a number that would maybe cause the NFL PA not to take this to court. But I don't think the NFL cares if it goes to court. I mean, Robert Kraft may care because then he gets dragged into this as they compare the punishment of owners to the punishment of players. And that was one of the points that was made, I think effectively before judge Robinson, although it wasn't anything more than a footnote in her, in her final ruling because she found six games for other reasons. I just don't know why the NFL would, would do anything other than what it wants to do at this point. But 12 would make sense. And another thing to keep in mind is this. Deshaun Watson didn't play last year because of this off-field issue. There are people who say, well, if he didn't want to play for the Texans and the Texans didn't want to play for him. They would have traded him to the Dolphins if we didn't have this off-field issue. The Dolphins were going to trade for him if he had settled his 22 cases. He was ready to settle 18. There were four holdouts and the trade didn't happen. He would have played last year, or the NFL would have been forced to put him on the commissioner exempt list. I say that because they could treat last year as kind of a suspension after the fact. And maybe you do 12 games and he gives back to 10 million he made last year and he gets to play some this year. And it's a very strict and stern punishment. He loses 10 million from last year and he misses 12 games this year. And, and to me, you know, maybe, maybe that's what Peter Harvey ultimately does. Maybe he suspends him twelve games, and he takes away the ten million he made last year, and everybody goes forward in in the thirteenth game of the season.
1: This is Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, with us on brighter than you here on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, a different Browns question: Did Kareem Hunt really think he could get himself a new contract over the weekend?
2: Look, I'm a firm believer in players always trying to get more. There is so yeah. much money in the sport right now, but you got to pick your shot. You can't be a guy who's two or three on the depth chart at running back and take a stand out of the blue, just decide on a Saturday during camp, you know what, I'm not going to participate in team drills. There's a way to go about doing it. There's a way to go about making your point, whether you hold out, whether you hold in from the moment you show up. And the Browns called his bluff. The Browns aren't going to trade him. The Browns reportedly fined him for staying out of team drills and he backed off. He was back in team drills by Sunday. So I think he realizes that wasn't the way to go about it. I feel bad for him, though. You can say he's got a two-year, $12 million contract, but he's got $200,000 this year per game tied to his ability to be in uniform. Last year he missed nine games. It was 135000 per game in roster bonuses. That's a lot of money that he lost by missing nine games last year. And my, my guess is, at a minimum, he'd like to have – that 200000 per game for 17 games, that's $3.4 million. I think he'd probably like to have that baked into his salary. And then you go out, you have a big year, and you become a free agent next year. But you know, he, he's, he doesn't have much of a base salary, and he's trying to do what he can to enhance it. It's hard to blame him for that. He's just not the guy to, to do what he did. If Nick Chubb does it, it gets their attention. Right. If Kareem Hunt does it, it really doesn't get anybody's attention.
1: Mike, when the Browns still had Baker Mayfield, I said, and others did, like that they had to trade him. It made no sense to keep him around. Things were just broken. Even though they could need a quarterback, they had to get rid of him. I don't have that same feeling about Jimmy Garoppolo and the Niners. Am I reading that wrong? And if I'm not, how long can they actually keep him around to wait for some kind of good move, good trade?
2: Wait, I think you're right. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is wired in a way that, that he can deal with this limbo that he's currently in. I don't know that Mayfield would have been able to deal with it. Mayfield could have said, look, I'm just going to stay here. I got 18.8 million. And it's actually 19.9 when you throw in the 17th check. Instead, he takes it over 4 million less. So he can earn 3.3 million of it back in incentives to go to Carolina to have a chance to play. There's no guarantee he's even going to play or, or start. Sam Darnold may win that competition. Who knows? But in San Francisco, everybody's getting along. Everybody understands what's happening. And what's happening is very simple. The 49ers and Garoppolo are waiting for lightning to strike somewhere and knock out a team's starting quarterback for the season. Because if that happens, 49ers get real trade value and Garoppolo gets a lot closer to his 25 million. If you have a team that's suddenly desperate, like the Vikings were six years ago when Teddy Bridgewater tore up his knee in practice in late August, all of a sudden you've got a market. And I think this lasts until. Some people think it lasts until the cuts down to 53 on August 30, there's a chance they carry him on the 53-man roster and hold him until the very moment that the rosters lock. And for week one, if you're on the roster and if you're a vested veteran with four or more years of service, your non-guaranteed salary becomes fully guaranteed. And uh, I think that moment, right before he gets his $24.2 million salary, as a practical matter, fully guaranteed, that's when the 49ers cut him and he becomes free and clear to sign with anyone. And until then, both sides are just hoping. And, it's, you know, it feels weird to say, well, we're hoping for somebody to tear an ACL. But we know what happens, and it would be the right solution, the perfect solution for the 49ers and Garoppolo if that happens. And you know what? It's, I, I hate to say this because I hate to be accused of jinxing anyone, but while he's still on the roster, Trey Lance is the guy it could happen to. And then all of a sudden, Jimmy Garoppolo is the 49ers quarterback again for 2022. Mike, last question. Uh,
1: one of the newest posts at Pro Football Talk is about the NFL wanting an emphasis from the referees this year on illegal contact. This seems like a pending disaster with too many penalties. Am I, am I overreacting to this news or am I right on here?
2: No, you're not overreacting at all. And there have been teams in the not-too-distant past like the Seahawks who basically dared the officials to call it. They just did it all the time, and they know that the officials aren't going to bog the game down by throwing flag after flag after flag, and now the NFL wants more flags. And they're doing some things, too, with what is and isn't interference down the field, which is very confusing. If you see the plays and you hear the NFL's interpretation, it's it's got the potential. You know, pass interference has been a real problem in recent years. It's got the potential to be a mess this year, and I sure hope it isn't, because those are just the things that get people rightfully bent out of shape over things that – affect the game that, that when we watch it at home, we see it, and we're like, eh, it just doesn't feel right to us.
1: Mike, as always, great information. Thanks for the time. We appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Andrew. That's Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, spinning us through the NFL, coming off a weekend with some normal football training camp conversations, and then the abnormal, as always, as we wait on a Deshaun Watson ruling again, and then maybe more rulings as this possibly goes into the federal court system. You've come to that time of day. Maybe you've been up for a little bit. Maybe you've been up for a while. You need some kind of kick in the butt. That initial jolt of energy, or maybe like me, you've been up for eight hours, already starting to drag, need some new energy. Whatever the reason is, we've got the solution. And his name is Tom D. Celestino. He and buy or seller next.
0: You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast.
1: Yeah, not so much. Andrew Bogish in for Bill. Hope you had a great weekend. Thanks for beginning your Monday with us here on Writer Than You. On CBS Sports Radio, on the free Odyssey app on Sirius XM channel 158, Bill was hoping, was planning, was scheduled to be here today, but some unforeseen technical problems. I want to tell you that he spilled like an old-fashioned on his connection box, but I don't think that's what happened. Whatever happened, we are efforting, as they like to say, uh, a solution for tomorrow's show. And I would say this even if I knew for certain, and nothing is certain, but if I knew 99.9% certainty that Bill was going to be here tomorrow, I'd still say
3: that he might not, just to keep decel riled up i'm already sweating i'm still squirming from this morning like why do you get joy out of this why does this make you smile this is why we can't be friends
1: as you said to start the show when i did my first wellness check you're not built for this nope not in any way shape or form and i'm built in a very petty fashion to enjoy people going through things that they're not built for but again today you are handling this very, very well. You really are. Because you, you have been kind of in charge, at least here in our building, for five hours, if not longer. And you have, you have I'm not even going to say survived, you have thrived in this scenario. Not, right?
3: that, not that I have any power, but it's a reminder that I should never be in a position of power. Yeah, I'm not true. good at it.
1: You are, right now, your power level is maxed out. This is as much power <laughs> as you should yes, have.
3: And it's probably a drop too much.
1: 855-212-4CBS, Eight five five two one two four two two seven is how you join the nonsense, uh, your phone calls, and Pete Rose's nonsense after nothing nonsensical. See, that's like a bill thing. That's like a th- third level of a metaphor that did need to happen. Enough of me. Here's Tom. Here's Buy or Sell.
0: What side will Bill take on the biggest issues in the world of sports? It's time for today's
3: edition of Buy or Sell on Writer Than You. All right, Andrew, let's jump right in by talking some NFL quarterbacks. Now, entering Justin Herbert's rookie season way back in 2020, the preseason was canceled due to the pandemic. And going into last season, Herbert was coming off a very impressive rookie season, and Chargers head coach Brandon Staley felt there was no reason to risk injury by having Herbert take any preseason snaps. That will be true again this year. Herbert won't take a single snap in any preseason game. Buy or sell the Chargers' decision to bench Justin Herbert for the entire preseason. Oh, I'll buy that.
1: Buy. With whatever salary cap Carrington set for this segment last week, I'm using almost all of it to buy this. Um... If Justin Herbert wanted to play in the preseason, a series or two, I'd listen. But my default position, and the one I would really push, is the one that they're on, is like, dude, um, you know how to do this. You know the system. You know the guys. We've got these joint practices. I can't have you get hurt in one of these games. So if I was the Chargers, this is what I would want. This is what I would do. So I'm absolutely buying this.
3: Are we already at a point with Justin Herbert, as I said, entering year three? And oh, by the way, he was kind of thrust in there his rookie season right. due to injury. Are we already at the point where the Chargers go to him and say, Justin, how do you want to handle this?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I would, once you get past even maybe his rookie season, that first one, I think you could say, you know, this is the NFL. You got to at least try and see some game speed. After that, the way he's played. And I would say this for most quarterbacks because the position is that important, and you can't risk any of them getting hurt. Um, I'm listening pretty quickly and being overprotective. And um, again, you you got to know your guy. He seems to be fine without these snaps. So absolutely the right call by the Chargers.
3: All right, we go from one LA quarterback to another. Matthew Stafford has not been participating in Rams drills during training camp because of elbow discomfort. Remember, Stafford received an injection in his elbow earlier this offseason because the elbow pain actually started at the end of last season. And on, stat- on Saturday, Stafford called the injury, quote, just going through something that's irritating at the moment, end quote. By or sell being concerned about Matthew Stafford to start the season. Can I ask for clarification about your question before I answer? Uh,
1: absolutely. Does it mean buyer or sell... Matthew Stafford missing the start of the season, or just that I currently, right now, I'm going to have concerns about him through week one. Through week one, that you will have concerns. Bye. Bye. I'm going to be concerned about this unless he throws for 7,000 pain free yards and they again are at the end with a trophy. I got spooked last week. They were very open about this, they used words that were odd. Sean McVay said this was abnormal for a quarterback. He did look good this weekend. He said he was fine this weekend. You obviously have to trust him. He had elbow issues last year, and things were just fine. But they got me last week, and I could be a complete misread of the situation, but they they got my attention last week, the way they were talking about this.
3: They're the ones that called it abnormal, almost right. like an MLB pitcher injury.
1: Yeah, so like to me, that sounds like something that could go at any time. So until he gets to the finish line, and as long as he looks like normal, okay, great, but I'm going to be concerned about this until there are no more games to be concerned about for them.
3: All right, on Saturday, eight players were inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. This year's class was unique because it featured no player that was eligible for the first time, while every modern-day inductee waited no less than five years and as long as 20 years to be voted in. Buy or sell Hall of Fame induction speeches are as intriguing as they used to be. I'll buy that. Bye.
1: And I thought this year ended up being um, a good mix. Because a lot of times there's one or two heavy hitters. And they get a lot of the attention. And they kind of overshadow the rest of the bunch. But I thought this year, because there wasn't that one guy... Everyone was kind of free to pick whom their favorite was, decide who the most important was, and like pay attention to those guys and really celebrate them. There was all of this time to be thankful that this guy got in, that guy got in. I don't know how often classes are like this, but I thought this was a nice little change of pace where, and it sounds like a backhanded compliment, without the biggest of names to start the group. I thought this benefited everybody because they all got their due attention as opposed to being like, oh, my God, it's Peyton Manning's turn or it's going to be Tom Brady's turn or whatever. Like, there are guys who dominate. And without one of those guys, everyone got extra attention. I thought that was a good thing this weekend.
3: All right, let's finish up with the NFL portion of Buy or Sell here. New Bears wide receiver Nikhil Harry, who Chicago just traded for this offseason in exchange for a 2023 seventh-round pick. Sustained an ankle injury yesterday that appeared to be severe, but the team is still waiting for official word. Buy or sell, the Bears are set up for Justin Fields to fail this season because of the lack of weapons.
1: Yeah, I'll buy that. Buy. I mean, it's just going to be a tough year. And we had this conversation on a different show late last week. You know, Which quarterbacks, especially young ones, have the most pressure on them this year? And the conversation began with Trevor Lawrence coming off of the hall of fame game. And it got to Zach Wilson. It eventually grew to Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, more established guys. And Justin Fields was kind of a just cursory mention at the end of the conversation, because I I just, I don't think anybody thinks this team is going to be good. So like, what's the, it's more of a concern for Justin Fields than it is putting like pressure on him. Like, I just kind of want him to survive this season and have some improvement from last year. There's no demands from me that Justin Fields do this because I just think everything around him is such garbage. Now Matt Eberflus might be the guy that figures things out, and his staff may be, but you know you're right in the talent around him is is limited. It's not a great team from top to bottom. It's in a division with the Packers. And then the Vikings, who are some level of good, depending on who you talk to. And then, I don't know, maybe Dan Campbell is a wizard. And maybe the Lions will be markedly better this year. I, I doubt it. But if there's at least two good teams around them in that division. And they are certainly not a good team. And it's a roster near the bottom of the league in terms of talent. So, yeah, this year to me is more about like survival and incremental improvement than anything else for Justin Fields.
3: All right, let's get to some baseball here. Now, the AL Central is the tightest division race in baseball at the yeah, moment. Kind
1: of the- by accident. It's
3: not a compliment. <laughs> Twins, Guardians, and White Sox all separated by just two games. Now, having said that, Twins manager Rocco Baldelli was furious with umpires yesterday after Minnesota's 3-2 loss to the Blue Jays. Now, Toronto's Whit Merrifield tried to score on a sack fly in the top of the 10th. Merrifield collided with Twins catcher Gary Sanchez, and Merrifield was called out. However, after a review, it was determined that Sanchez interfered, interfered with Merrifield. That would hold up as the game-winning run. Delhi after the game, as you might imagine, was none too pleased.
0: Beyond embarrassing for our game, for all the players out there on both sides of the field working their ass off for the entire game, it's completely unacceptable I can't even believe I'm sitting here talking to you guys about this right now. It's one of the worst moments I think we've seen of umpiring in any game I've ever been a part of in baseball, and I think it was pathetic what, what just played out.
3: Buy or sell that the umps made the right call yesterday? Uh, sell. Sell.
1: Sell. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe in the most technical of ways they made the call correctly. And maybe Rocco got a little carried away with his descriptions there. But in the middle, when he said, I can't believe I'm sitting here talking about this with you, I agree. Now, let me run you through the play again. It's top 10. It's 2-2. Fairly routine fly ball to left field. Left fielder gets under it, makes the catch coming home, makes a great throw on a fly right to Gary Sanchez. They've got Whit Merrifield dead to rights. Right. Sanchez makes the catch, comes down, and basically sits on Merrifield. He tries to slide through him to get to home place. Tagged him. It's out. Merrifield immediately points, saying he blocked me from home plate. And the Blue Jays challenge, and it comes back to New York, and umpires, non-working umpires, that's how they they rotate from, from field work into headquarters. They look at it, and they go. Gary Sanchez blocked the plate too soon preventing Whit Merrifield from coming home free and clear. And this is the Buster Posey rule. And again, maybe technically they got this right, but I've seen the play, I don't know, 10 times now, and I don't know how this is not a very simple out. And the game continues at 2-2. I just don't understand what else Gary Sanchez is supposed to do here. He makes the catch, and then once he has the ball, he's allowed to block home plate. But when he's and he's blocking home play, I guess, technically, as the ball is in flight. But it's not preventing Merrifield from running at full speed, from going through Gary Sanchez. He's out. The throw beats him. He's just out. And I'm looking at the play and I'm watching it. And obviously, you know, the first thing I saw was Rocco freaking out because you're not supposed to. You can't actually argue decisions by the replay center. And if you do, you're automatically ejected. So he came out losing his mind, ejected right away, then said that post game, And that's what I saw first. So maybe I'm somewhat of a victim of like seeing it backwards. But when I see it, I I just don't know how that's an illegal play. Now, Greg Cassert is here. And when Greg is not here, he's oftentimes calling minor league baseball. So maybe he has seen this in practice more. But as Rocko Deli said, this call is very rarely actually enacted in the majors this year. Uh, or really in the last couple of years. So, I'll ask Greg what, what you thought about this play. I'll be very honest with you. I didn't see. It. Okay, never mind then. <laughs> Diesel, you want to chime in? Because we know how you like rules and fun and...
3: I thought they got it wrong. I oh, thought, look at that. I thought, I mean, as you said, they had him dead to rights. He's out. You want to play semantics, whether he blocked the plate? Maybe he did. That, that call cannot get overturned. I think it's getting a little exaggerated why why Rocco is so furious. I mean, look, they're in the as I described, they're in the middle of a division yeah. race, which they probably shouldn't be in right now. True, but like this is why it's getting highlighted. I don't think it's as bad as Rocco said. I think they got it wrong though. I mean, it's a, it's an important decision, and I
1: to be honest, I don't know. They could, you know, they might have been one for thirty-four runners in the scoring position during nine innings. Maybe they should never have been in the tenth inning to be in that position, and they got in that bat with a runner at second base in the bottom half and didn't score to lose 3-2. But I, I just, I mean, I, I, again, I when I was a borderline acceptable baseball player growing up, I was a catcher, and so I have an affinity for plays at the plate and protecting catchers for sure. I I, I just don't get that decision yesterday. I wouldn't have understood it if it was called that way to begin with, and I don't understand calling it this way after the fact and taking that run off the board, whether it's first inning or 10th inning. I just I don't see how that play ends up in a run for the Blue Jays. But it did, and Rocco got upset, and I'm assuming tomorrow in some form or fashion we'll be discussing a punishment for Rocco for flipping out at the officials. All right, enough of these. We gave him 15 minutes. It's plenty. Uh, when we come back, We're sticking with baseball and Pete Rose, acting like Pete Rose, proving why Pete Rose should not have been with the Phillies this weekend. We'll do that after a CBS Sports Radio uh, upset update. I'm leaving.
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
1: Here's Greg Caserta. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. I would prefer Bill Ryder to be here. And he's not today for technical difficulties, unfortunately. We hope that he's here tomorrow. But when Bill's not here, I do love spending two hours with Cell, despite what he thinks, and the rest of you listening, on CBS Roots Radio, on the free Odyssey app, on SiriusXM 158. But today, this show is also streaming on Twitch twitch.tv, I think, slash CBS Sports Radio. Because our friends down the hall on WFN here in New York, Tiki and Tierney, are broadcasting live from Giants training camp and they didn't bring their cameras with them. They're normally streamed during their local show, but on the road, there's no stream. So Andrew Kaplan, who is a video genius behind the D8 show and other operations here in our little cluster of stations, left the cameras on has put this show on Twitch today and is posting videos of me speaking my nonsense. And I just don't like the way I... Like, it's weird. It's like a... Now, we know we've been begging Diesel to take his shirt off. Bill and I are very jealous of the Diesel physique. He lost a bet. Supposed to take that shirt off. Confirm his pre-broadcasting weightlifting days... Hasn't done it. It's one of our issues. We're working through it. But Diesel over there looking good and looking sharp. Me, not so much, especially as I sit with terrible posture and leaning back in a chair, talking about Gary Sanchez and Wim Merrifield. And now, (laughs) just to add insult to injury, and we are deep in it right now, because Jim Rome is, is on vacation today and was scheduled to be off today We have a very elaborate plan to replace him. Maggie and Perloff are moving up a three-hour window, normally their own show, 3 Eastern, on these very same stations and on CBS Sports Network, but they're moving up to noon to host for Jim, also on TV. And because I'm here in this room, I'm in their way setting up. They have a lot of visual aids. There's a little wheel of prizes next to me. They've got whiteboards. One of them looks like a serial killer's We're like a police officer finding a serial killer. They've got pictures and strings from thumbtack to thumbtack. And they've now put one of our studio monitors on their return feed. So I was angry coming out of break by looking like a slob in a video posted online. And as I'm complaining about looking like a slob, I look to my right and I'm watching myself now talk. So I'm like on three levels of self-consciousness right now, and I don't like any of them.
3: I don't know if this is your fault. I mean, you pointed out to begin the show today, a lot of cameras pointed at you, some with the red light on, some with the red light off. I feel like they're all on right now. You have about 12 cameras pointed right at you. One's a live stream, one's for TV. There's a lot happening right now. There's
1: a lot happening. I don't like any of it, Um, and if I had an agent, I would have them or her on the phone right now and asking about a video stipend for two hours of TV that I would, uh, I mean. So the monitor that's in the studio, it's a, like a 40 inch TV screen has now been changed. <laughs> to, I'm
3: seeing several bogushes right now. Yeah.
1: Now we've got like a split screen, multiple angles. Now decent on the split screen. But before it was like nine mini screens of me. No one can see this but me. This is now just for me. I'm being messed with from down the hall remotely. And I'm going to try and videotape, take a video of D-Cell and me and see if there's how much the screen's going to mess with me in the moment. I'm here for it.
3: I'm signing up for all of this. Well, of course you are. If we can make this a daily occurrence, I would really appreciate that from our friends at Video.
1: Well, hold on one second. Don't ask for too much, because you might like the idea of this scream flipping all around right now, making fun of me, making me feel bad, giving all the angles. But if you had to worry about video every day...
3: I, I can't take on more. Exactly, I'm okay? built for that. No, you are not.
1: <laughs> not. You can't handle radio. You don't need radio
3: and video. Let's be honest with this you. This is that. very true. Let I, me protect
1: I, you from that.
3: This is something I will not argue you with. Normally, I don't like your takes. I'm bothered. Oh, come on. I'm bothered by what you say, because normally it's directed negatively towards me. Uh, but I agree 100 percent. I, I can't put more on my plate. I shouldn't have anything on my plate whatsoever.
1: No, again, I think've we have put you in a place. You are built for the norm of the day around here. Anything more is asking too much.
3: Do you know like a system quarterback? uh, We always say he can only succeed in the system in which he plays. I'm that guy. I'm that quarterback. Everything goes right. I'm your man. I can get you through anything in that playbook. Agreed. You are Trent Dilfer. Something goes awry. Look out. Everything is about to be a disaster.
1: Yep. You are Trent Dilfer. You're a little south of Nick Foles. You need a legendary Ravens defense. To set the tone, and God forbid we fall down 14 nothing, we have to throw, look out.
3: You can win with me, you're not going to win because of me. <laughs> I know it, I know it, I know who I am. I'm going to succeed because I know who I am. Uh, what's amazing about this is,
1: I, I, I don't think, I think we're both humble, I think we're both ego-less, which probably at times is a detriment. You probably both should probably push for ourselves a little more, have a little more self confidence, a little more self worth. But you're even more humble than I am, which I feel like is saying a lot because here's you very excitedly accepting and declaring the
3: limitations you've set for yourself you got to know who you are in this business. I know exactly who I am. (laughs) And it's what's going to make me go as far as I can go. I know what I'm not.
1: Right. So just to recap, you're a guy that can produce a daily two-hour radio show.
3: Don't give me three or four.
1: And don't give you video.
3: (laughs) Correct. Correct.
1: But – you would prefer a host in the same state that you're
3: in. That would take a lot of stress. I, I don't know if you've noticed, Bogush, but for those of you at home that can't see, like I, I'm losing a lot of hair on the top. Like it's it's thinning quick. It's it's going fast. Yeah. I'm not even going with the salt and pepper and the gray. I'm just losing it all together.
1: And we are doing nothing to help that, to slow that down.
3: The stress. The stress is just, it it doesn't agree with me. All
1: right. Don't let me leave without being mean to Pete Rose. So long story short, the Phillies, on a two-year delay, made more sense in 2020, couldn't do it then. This is the 42nd anniversary of their 1980 World Series title team. So they had everybody back in town for this entire last weekend. And the players involved said Pete Rose had to be there, had to be there, huge part of the team, obviously, Pete's got to be there. Phillies say, okay, fine, Pete can come. This was after, back in 2017, they had plans to just honor Pete, to just bring Pete Rose back, and they had to cancel those plans because a woman accused him of statutory rape, that they had a relationship where at least one night together when she was a teenager, underage, Nothing legally ever fully came of that, but it was enough for the Phillies to go, we can't have Pete here. Five years later, we get Pete Rose okayed to be with the Phillies this weekend. And shockingly, Pete Rose acted terribly. We've got two pieces of audio to play. I think we're short on time. Let's play one. This is the the bad one. This is the one that confirms everything terrible you might think about Pete Rose. Asked about these allegations more than once, and here's one of the ways he was super dismissive of very valid questions.
0: I'm going to tell you one more time. I'm here for the Philly fans. I'm here for my teammates. Okay? I'm here for the Philly organization, and who cares what happened 50 years ago? You weren't even born. So you, you shouldn't be talking about it because you weren't born. And if you don't know a damn thing about it, don't talk about it.
1: I mean... Pick your way to tear that apart. But it's just proof again that Pete Rose sucks. And by the way, that was his second dismissive answer to that question. The first one was to a female reporter and he ended his verbal push away with babe. Again, a question about statutory rape. And then apparently his PR people brought him back to this woman later on saying Pete wants to apologize when he got there He wasn't apologizing, but he was offering to sign baseballs for her to make her feel better because, of course, Pete Rose thinks, that's important. You want a signed baseball from me. I've got nothing for this guy. Nothing at all. Shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. I'm glad he's not. I'm glad no commissioner has given in just yet. I'll be disappointed when one does. And shame on the Phillies. Shame on everybody around there. He could have been there this weekend, but he could have been kept basically in a safe somewhere. Bring him on the field, applause, whatever, move on, but keep him away from a microphone. And they didn't. And he embarrassed himself. He embarrassed all of them. He embarrassed baseball once again because he's Pete Rose. All right, we're done. Fingers crossed for a Bill Ryder appearance tomorrow. Huge thanks to Andrew Kaplan on the unscheduled Twitch feed today. Thanks to Mike Florio for joining us then Godspeed to D-Cell. Have a great Monday. Somebody's with you tomorrow. Writer than you, CBS Sports Radio.
0: Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network.